Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions and shortcomings and those things, Lord, that keep a veil between you and us. Lord, we know that our sins themselves aren't the only thing that place a veil between you and I. Lord, we know that unless we do your will and we follow your ways, that there's no way to get closer to you. If we're not transformed and led by your spirit through faith, Lord, then there's no way that we can achieve what we want as far as obtaining holiness. Lord, I'm asking tonight that we expose all these things concerning the law, concerning grace, concerning sin, Lord, and that it be made true that everything that you have called us to do, Lord, is only by your spirit, for it is not by strength nor by might. So I'm asking, Lord, that you give us understanding as to what your word says and what it really means, and let us not speak in error. Let us speak in truth, Lord, because we can't afford to get your word wrong. So I'm asking for your guidance, Lord, for this very sensitive topic. I'm asking for your understanding, Lord, that I present the gospel rightly. I'm asking, Lord, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, Lord, jealousy, malice, hatred, Lord, uh, the spirit of Antichrist, Lord, the spirit of racism. I'm asking that you take all those things down, Lord, and just give us a clear path, Lord, unto your righteousness. For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are almighty God, faithful, just, and true, worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be called, uh, O foolish keepers of the law, <laughs> who have bewitched you? I stole that from uh, Galatians 3. When you read that, and Paul talks about how he tried to teach the Galatians about through faith and through the spirit that you receive God's truth and not through the works of the law. Okay, because a lot of people would love to direct you to, you know, following the Sabbath and the feast days and all these other things. And, you know, the fact of the matter is those things never changed man one bit. It was only through the Spirit of God that the Holy Ghost came on the disciples in Acts, the second chapter, that they were able to do what was right. Okay, that they were able to be transformed into the image of Christ, like we had our teaching last week or a few couple of weeks ago, Christ in me. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. You can't get Christ in you through the law. Okay, it's only through the Spirit of God and you yielding your vessel to Him that we're able to have these things. All right, so from here, let's get started in John 3, our favorite chapter. <laughs> no cheating. <laughs> Keep your eyes on your own test paper. I'm just teasing. Alright, we'll start at verse 1 and it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles uh, that thou doest except, he be, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So what he's making clear here is 
we have to be born again. You know, there has to be a total 180 from the things that we do to follow the will of the Lord. Will that be easy? No. Will you fail the Lord many times? Absolutely. But the fact of the matter is, is recognizing that unless we are changed in our nature, in our ways, there's no way to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's what Jesus is about to explain here because a lot of people, all right, I'll stop doing this and I'll stop doing that. You know, it's just how if you can be a dry drunk, then you can be a dry fornicator, okay? You can be a dry anything, all right? Just because you stop doing something doesn't mean that your nature has changed if you're still longing for it. So these are things that, you know, the Lord has to take from us to change our minds and our hearts and get us right with him. All right, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be and be born? So Jesus was obviously speaking spiritual, and uh, Nicodemus is understanding this carnally. So Jesus is about to explain in verse 5, and it says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So we understand here there's a contrast between the two, being born of water. Water, obviously, is repentance, baptism, turning away from sin. And then there is the fire baptism, which is the spirit of God that comes into us, that changes us to the image of Christ. Everybody understand that so far? Okay. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence uh, it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the, of the Spirit. So what we understand here is this is an early understanding of the church too, because he's saying that wherever the wind bloweth and listeth, that's the way that the kingdom of God is supposed to be. This is the way that followers of Christ are supposed to be like. Okay, you're not... Um, you know, made to be in any particular place, okay? Now, the bodies of believers, which is the ecclesia, which is the true church, we come together. A church without the Holy Ghost is not the church at all. It's just a place of dead works, mm -hmm. okay? We need Holy Ghost-filled, Holy Ghost-driven, Holy Ghost-powered folks to do the will of the Lord. It can't be done as far as just being a regular, you know, uh, religious person and an observer, Okay, so the thing is, is that, um, so he's saying that which is born of the Spirit. If the Spirit rules you, then the Spirit's going to rule everyone in this room. If we're all full of the Holy Ghost, or we have the Holy Ghost leading us, then that means we can ebb and flow, we can spread apart. You're at the hospital, you're feeding the homeless and taking care of them. You know, you're out preaching the gospel, and we can all go do whatever, you know, as far as being led by the Spirit, and then coming back together as a whole. That's the body of Christ. Okay, like Peter said, we are lively stones. That's what make up the, makes up the temple of God. Mm -hmm. Stones that can ebb and flow, move, led by the Spirit, and come together and commune together. That's the real church. Okay, so you see that most people in this world aren't that way. They'll go into church, they'll sit there 50 years, they've been, they've been on a deacon board for about 35 years, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but... If this is all you do for the body of Christ, then that's telling you one thing, that you're not led by the Spirit of God. Because in your spare time, away from the church setting, we should be doing the will of the Lord. You know, if it's winning someone to the truth, 
or whatever it is that we're doing. We can't just stay, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm serving the church. Yeah, you're serving that building. But as far as doing the will of the Lord, we're supposed to be able to go and come together, you know. So, all right, so from here, I just wanted to bring that point up about being born again because, you know, a lot of people don't get that. Let's go to Luke 17. I'm just setting the floor, you know, for what we're going to be talking about. Luke is just one book that... You'll get it eventually. Your teething's just never going to stop, is it? We're going to have to memorize every single chapter. <laughs> no, you know, and what order it's in, just so I can prove you wrong. Ryan couldn't <laughs> find his Bible either at one point. He learned quicker than anybody I knew, though, honestly. It's because he had a cheat sheet underneath him. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, Luke 17, we'll start at verse uh, 18. And it says, there are not found uh, that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. So remember, this is the one about the lepers and everything. Mm -hmm. And the Lord found one of them that was worthy and he wasn't of Israel. Okay. So then he says, and he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith have made thee whole. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, uh, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So what does that tell you? The life of Christ that's in you? You know, this is what you bring forth to every situation where there is a need for the church. The church is not in a building. It's not in a place, you know, on the corner of division in 122nd, okay? The church is... A body of believers that go and come. They do the will of the Lord. They're all led by the same spirit. They should all believe the same doctrine. But you find a lot of that mixed up. So you can't call it the church of God. But, um, you know, this is the whole point about the kingdom of God being in us. We bringing forth the kingdom. Okay, because what I'm going to cover today is, you know, uh, these Hebrew Israelite groups, you know, they bring forth a lot of truth, but what they really make wrong is, one, you can't build a doctrine around race, creed, or any of that other stuff. It has to be centered on Christ if you're really a believer. But those guys get so stuck in their pride of who they are, or who they think they are, you know, that they tend to take everything off of what the Lord is calling us to do. Okay, and you can't be someone that is young in the spirit, which most of those guys are. They're young of the spirit or void of the spirit, but then they're going to try and tell you what the Lord desires for you. You don't even understand the spirit to be able to try and tell someone what's what. Mm -hmm. So if you're not governed by the spirit, what's that going to lead you to be? Racist. Okay, because you're going to think I'm holier than thou. That was one of the reasons why the Lord took away the um, the law and, and um, you know, Put the spirit in us so we could be more like Christ. Right. All right, so let's get into it. Let's start in our Galatians 1. Because, you know, I had to tell one of them, every time I speak to these groups, and it's not just them, there's a lot of other people pushing stuff, but... 
every time I speak to these groups, there's just this overwhelming feeling of trying to yoke you into bondage, you know, trying to really get you caught up in something. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but how you felt, but didn't your head kind of hurt just listening to him in here when he, when he came in talking? Uh, redeemed. Oh. I'm going to say his name. I don't really care. Yeah, but I when he came in, yeah. Are you talking about the kiosk? At the kiosk. Yeah. Oh, you know, man, when he man. came in, there was just this overwhelming feeling of, it was almost like you were speaking to something that was just otherworldly. But no matter what we tried to tell him, he was just so back on, well, it's all about Israel. Okay, so let it be all about Israel. But don't come back here anymore. You know, I even told him, I said, there's a stench about you. There's a stench about the way that you come and you present things. You're arrogant. You're racist. You know, you can care less about Jesus Christ, in my opinion, because, you know, the Lord said that we're supposed to love and teach the gospel to everybody. But if you're looking for particular people to preach to based on their race, man, then you, you're so off the mark. It's not even funny, but that's not the spirit of Christ. All right. People must be wondering, what is he talking about? Paul, an apostle. This is uh, Galatians 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me uh, unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you, and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that ye are so soon removed. Oh, Lord, one second. I don't know how that happened. It's not long. Number 530 or whatever. Turn around. Right, yeah. All right, so it says... Um, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Now, what we got to understand about the church of Galatia, uh, when Paul ministered to them, they were a church that found the Lord through the spirit of God. They were one of the first churches taught to not be a part of the law. Okay, this is the first church that Paul preached to outside of his Damascus experience. So, you know, He's telling them, like, how can you be so soon removed from following the faith and the grace of Christ until people telling you, you need to have works, you need to do this. So there were people trying to bring the church of Galatia back under the law instead of following the law of the spirit, which is of Jesus Christ. All right. That's, this is why he says in verse six, I'm amazed. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you uh, into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. You find this everywhere you go. There are people that, if you have your own agenda, other than being formed into the image of Jesus Christ or Christ being formed in you, then you are preaching another gospel. It's just that simple. But we, but although we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have, which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As I said before, so say I again, if any man preach another gospel or any other gospel unto you than that he have received, uh, let him be accursed. 
For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? Uh, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So what we understand too here is a lot of these, these things, because I mean, there's a lot of religions that work this way, but this one in particular, the one that tries to bring people back to the law, one of the issues here is it's not centered around Christ as we talked about, but it's more of trying to persuade men and not God. Because if you're God conscious, then you can care less about your heritage. What you're going to do is follow the Lord and all he's calling you to do. So if you're going around telling everybody you're an Israelite, if you're going around trying to tell everybody you're this or you're that, or, you know, trying to prove yourself, then you're self-conscious and you're world conscious. You are knowing what you do after the flesh, not after the spirit of God. All right. Does that make sense? Or Okay, verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me uh, is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So a lot of people get into the ministry. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ that puts us in the ministry. That's where the anointing comes on. Verse 13. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that uh, beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. You'll read this in Acts. Paul was a murderer of Christians. Now we're talking the 12th apostle here was a murderer of Christians because he was so into following the law, following the Old Testament, the old traditions. He was the enemy of Christ because Christ was trying to present the new covenant but Paul felt like he was a heretic, even though he never met Jesus. Jesus died and left and, you know, came back and, you know, the whole Damascus, Damascus experience. But the Lord came to see him, blinded him a few days, you know, got him to work for him, following the truth in Christ. And then Paul became, you know, one of the greatest of the apostles because of this. All right. So he persecuted the church of God. Verse 14. And profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals uh, in mine own nation, being more exceeding zealous of the traditions of my fathers. So you see how they were more zealous of the traditions of their fathers, just like some people we know. This is all they can talk about. This is what they can base everything on. Very little talk about Jesus Christ. 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, Notice that separation from the mother's womb. Notice how we had a teaching on the matrix last week. You're going to see this come up a lot. But, you know, when you come in through your mother's womb, pretty much you're a person of the world. You know, you're a worldly person that has to discover Christ, be born again, and get back into, you know, escaping this world. Right. All right. So he says, I'm of his mother's womb and called me by his grace. To reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among uh, the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So he understood, not with flesh and blood. From the moment the Lord came and got him through the whole experience, blinding him, having him come to the disciples, being taught of God, he no longer saw things after the flesh. There was no more of a fleshly understanding. He understood what the agenda was, was to preach the gospel unto the Gentiles. All right, that's why he says, not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem uh, to them which were apostles before me, 
but I went into Arabia and returned again unto, unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. Uh, but other, other of the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now, James was a brother of the Lord. He's the one, he's Jude, really, that uh, wrote the, um, well, actually, he's James of the, uh, Jude was Jesus' other brother that wrote Jude. So he's James of this uh, Bible, like this, the book of James. So Jesus had four brothers, you know, but there were only two of them that were in the gospel. All right, uh, now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. Again, this is talking about Christ in him. This is a big part, a little off the subject, but if you want to win souls to Christ, you have to have Christ in me, because that's the part that wins people to Christ. It's the truth being grown in you. It's the way. It's the life in you. If these people are walking around dead, then there's the resuscitation of the spirit that is necessary for redeeming people. We can't be a part of the problem and the solution. So it says, um, you know, at one point he, he hated the whole faith thing. It was all about the works of the Lord. So now that this has been introduced to him, people are glorifying the Lord that's in him, recognizing this guy is telling the truth. He's doing the right thing. All right, so we'll go to Galatians 2, and then we'll uh, get back into some other stuff. But it says... Then again, years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also and went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel uh, which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to them uh, which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So one of the reasons he's speaking to them privately here is because there are times when you speak to people in Christ, there will be people around them that don't want to hear the truth. Sometimes it's good to work on an individual level unless you are full of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the times, you know, or we can be too loud and say things, and then you'll cause an uprising when the Lord meant for you to speak to that individual alone. Okay, so he's just saying about being wise as a serpent here, unless his work would be in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to, this, to be uh, circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might uh, bring us into bondage. So what is Paul talking about? Paul just said when he was of the world, you know, that um, he understood the law. He didn't understand the spirit and the things of Christ. Since Paul's been converted, he's talking about how there are others now trying to creep in, you know, brothers unawares, to spy out your liberty. This is what people will do. A slave hates a free man. A slave is someone that's of the law. A person that moves of the spirit of Christ is free to do the things of Christ. Traditionalists don't like this. Church people don't like this. You got lots of groups that can't stand this because you're just moving by no one's authority other than the Holy Ghost. 
So a lot of people, you know, Jesus was asked many times, by what authority do you do these things? And he said, you know, well, let me ask you a question. Did John the Baptist, when he was here, was he sent from heaven or of men? So they tried to be slick and say, we can't tell. He said, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. So people hate when you're of the spirit and the spirit of God is leading you. Mm -hmm. There's always, no, you got to do it like this or, you know, you have to do it this way. Why? Because those are the brethren that, you know, try and spy out your liberty to bring you back under bondage. You need to be here. You need to be in church on Sunday, brother. And I'll tell you what you need. And from now on, wear a suit. And when's the last time you took communion and all this other stuff? It's like, look, let the spirit of the Lord lead you. Now, there are apostles, there are pastors, there are teachers, there are, you know, people that will help you perfect the saints. I mean, that perfect the saints. So that part is necessary. I'm not saying go without it. But what I'm saying is that tradition and religious people will always try and bring you under bondage. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I've suffered with him where, you know, me speaking of the things that the Lord has done for me, he would always say to me, this guy, well, see, you got to understand, you know, the precepts, they were talking about Israel. And you also have to understand, too, that, you know, we need to keep the Sabbath, brother, and you can't eat pork. You know, we're going to cover all this stuff because this is what people will try and do to bring you back up under the law, which is something that the Lord never intended for us to do. Anybody want to add anything? All right, so we'll read verse 4 again, and it says, And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. That's the law. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of these uh, who seemed to be somewhat whatsoever they were, uh, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrary was, uh, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the, um, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. So what Paul is speaking of here is, of course, circumcision was a part of the law. The Lord considered it clean to be able to be circumcised. You know, that's how the children of Israel had to be. But right now they're speaking of the circumcision are the, the uh, believers who are the children of Israel. And then you have the uncircumcised, which means the Gentiles, those people of the world. Okay, those that were not the children of Israel. So Paul was sent to teach the children of Israel, I mean, the unbeliever, and Peter was sent to the children of Israel to try and, you know, minister Jesus Christ. All right, so this is what he's talking about. Verse 8, uh, For he that wrought effectually in, in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty to me towards the Gentiles. So the same anointing that Peter had because he was the first to go out and preach, you know, the word of God, it was the same anointing that was placed on Paul to speak to the unbeliever. All right, to the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, uh, and they unto the circumcision. So the heathen, again, are Gentiles, unteachable people. That's what the word heathen really means. 
people that are outside of the laws, statutes, and commandments of God that don't know them. You know, so he sent Paul to preach to them while Peter was sent to correct the, um, the children of Israel. Uh, verse 10, only they would that uh, we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forwarded to do. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I would stick him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain uh, came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So the point is here, you know, Peter, all of the disciples were children of Israel. Um, Peter, when they first started out, he was preaching the gospel, even though he was sent to the, the children of Israel. You know, Peter used to sit with the Gentiles like, you know, all right, you're not of the children of Israel, but I'm sitting with you. You know, we're all one under Christ. But he changed and all of a sudden he doesn't want to sit with those people because he feared what the people of the children of Israel would think. Mm -hmm. Okay, the traditionalists. So I'm not going to sit with them. I'm going to play like I don't know them now because I'm worried about what these people think. Right. So what did Peter become at that point? World conscious and self conscious, but he wasn't God conscious right here. Okay, so 13. So Paul had to come and check him. But uh, 13. And the other disciples dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away by their dissimulation. So through the separation that Peter developed and not being with them, now Barnabas is even acting like them, you know, like, well, yeah, I don't want to sit with them either. Because Peter was somewhat the head of the apostles, you can say. He was the first to go out. He wasn't the rock that the Catholic Church tries to make him out to be. He wasn't the first pope. It was none of that. He was just the first that was sent forth to deliver the gospel in Christ. All right, so uh, 14. But when I saw that they uh, walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Exactly. If you're going to try and win people to the truth, you know, or he's telling Peter here, if we're supposed to be the example to the Gentiles, then what example are we setting by walking away from them, trying to be holier than them? So that's why when he came into the kiosk, you know, redeemed I'm talking about, he came into the kiosk and he tried to cause a bit of separation. I couldn't go with that because that's not of the body of Christ. I don't care who's black, white, blue, purple, whatever. The fact of the matter is we are all one spirit, one blood under Christ. All right, so that's why, you know, he want, he felt like that Ryan and uh, Gabe were turning me. Like, you know, Gabe's Hispanic, obviously, Ryan's white. So while I'm sitting up in there with them, they somewhat, you know, have me brainwashed. Like I'm an Uncle Tom now. I, I forget where I come from. You know, because I've been whitewashed. So now I'm going to defend Ryan and Gabe, but not sticking with his brother that's trying to cause dissimulation. Man, you're out of your mind. You believe that. That's not the spirit of God. No, it's the spirit of Satan because he wants to come in and divide and conquer. Exactly. So that's why we read earlier about the brothers crept in to spy out your liberty. This is what they do. Instead of you feeling good, and I remember like when he would leave, I would just have this feeling of like a headache, man. Like I've been through something. 
It's the power of that demon that tries to cause separation. Mm -hmm. You know, just because you're miserable with your life, hey, man, then stay over there. That's why I said, hey, if you have to win the children of Israel, go get them. And he was, I'm trying, but you don't understand. The Lord sent people in twos, and that's what I'm trying to do with you. Man, I don't want to be a part of that. Go be with your people, whoever they are. I'll be over here doing the will of the Lord. All right, so... Uh, 15, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. That's an interesting point to understand because what he's saying, we who are Jews by nature, is saying not that you're, you're um, a Jew by blood. You're Jews by nature because a real Jew is a Christian. A real Jew believes in Jesus Christ. A real Jew has the appetite of Christ, okay, instead of uh, and not the sinners of the Gentiles. So Peter was acting like the same people that he claimed that he was better than. You know, he knew better, so he should have been better. Verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of, of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Okay, and we got to understand here, because many of them try and make the point too that, well, when Christ came, everything in the you know Mosaic law stands except for the sacrifice. So Christ came and made the ultimate sacrifice for mankind, so we don't have to sacrifice bullets to do any of that stuff. But as we're going to read, that's not the case at all. The Bible says... If you want to do a piece of the law, you have to do the whole law. If you're under the law, any part of the law, you're under a curse. Now, I know a lot of people I may catch wrong because what they try and use next is, so you're saying, all right, so why don't I just do this, be gay, be a murderer, if we're not all under the law? That's the spirit of the law that you were supposed to follow, not the fleshly law in doing the rituals of Moses. Mm -hmm. Am I making sense? Because I don't want to confuse anyone here. Got any questions? Sure. <laughs> you look confused, so I'm just saying. You good? I'm good, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but, um, all right, verse 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin, God forbid. So what he's saying here is, you know, they find themselves as sinners needing Christ to be full of Christ, to do the will of Christ. Now, just because we're not under Mosaic law, Paul is saying here, so does that mean that Christ is the minister of sin? Absolutely not. You know, it's just that the way to be changed, the way to be Christ-like, you know, is not a part of the Old Testament. There are some Old Testament rules, although they don't apply today, they would be good for us to follow. Now, of course, you know, we're going to get into the whole thing concerning meats, concerning pork and things like that. Even a doctor will tell you that pork is not good for you. But if you if you bless it and you sanctify it in Christ, you know that the Bible says that it will be, you know, you can eat it. Now, would it have some type of physical issues maybe later on? Probably. That's why the Lord told him to stay away from it. So just because it's not under the law to no longer do doesn't mean that it won't have some effect. So I understand what those things are. But when you start telling people you don't believe in Christ if you eat this, then what you're saying is you don't believe in the Christ under the Old Testament. 
because he is the same God and he changes not, but by the Spirit of God that these changes are made, not in traditional works, okay? Not in condemna condemnation, but in grace we grow. Uh, verse 18, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor, for I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. What part of that people don't understand? I have no idea. In order to grow in Christ, you've got to get rid of that law mindset. You know, but there is a law. There are two different laws. We're going to get into the law of the Spirit in a little while. So we are still governed by Christ, but it's governed in another way. All right, um, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not yet I, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. That makes perfect sense that the two don't go together. But like I said, if you're bent on who you are, if you're bent on being holier than that, than thou, I'm following the Sabbath and you're not, this is all pushed on pride. And as we're going to read in Galatians 5, that doesn't work. Okay? It's not of the Spirit of God. And say something? Uh, anyone has anything they want to add? Any questions? Anything at all? No? All right, we're going to take a break from Galatians, but we will be back. We're going into Matthew 5. Because some people would say, okay, what is the will of God then? What should we be doing? What is this whole thing about? All right, because if it's not about Mosaic law, then what is it necessarily that we're following today that we need? And we will see. Matthew 5, verse 1. And no matter of fact, before we go to verse one, I want to read two things, and then we'll go. We'll catch up to that. But interesting point here is, let's start at verse uh, seventeen, because this is what people do too. They try and push people up back up under the law. Now it says, "Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come not to destroy, but to fulfill." For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now, you know, someone would say, well, wait a minute, Derek, you said that the law is going away. Here you see in red letter, Jesus Christ is talking about this. So we have to get some understanding on this. So we're going to go back. We're going to start at verse 1. Then we're going to knock this out. And then we're going to bring it, you know, all together. So... We're back at Matthew 5, verse 1. And that's why you can't read scriptures out of context. You can't just pick something that you want and then uh, try and make a point with it. And also, if you're going to read the old Quaker English, you've got to understand what it says. Okay, we're going we're gonna to make that point too. So Matthew 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you uh, falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Okay, so we understand here, Jesus is talking about those that are blessed, who have mercy, those who love, those who are doing the things of God, you know, being lowly, those who are humble. We'll keep reading. Verse 13, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out, and to be trodden under foot of men. Now you know that that's going on in the world right now. Why? You call yourself the church? You've got to be kidding. Okay? The church is the laughing stock of the known world today. Why? Because there's no Holy Ghost, no power, no driven folks of the Spirit. you got religious dead works going on, and this is why you find some Christians that won't fight. They're afraid of, you know, speaking the name of Jesus Christ because the Holy Ghost is not there. The only way you can be bold in the Lord is if the Holy Ghost lives in you. All right, so it is being trodden under the foot of men. Why? Because there's no spirit. Mm -hmm. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So we're supposed to be proclaiming the gospel wherever we go. Okay, we can't. Why would you light up this room only for me to put this light, you know, underneath this, underneath the curtain and set it there? Would that make any sense of any light being distributed throughout the room? No. So if you have a light, that light's supposed to shine to let people know what the truth is in Christ. That light is also Christ, and it's also the Holy Ghost. Uh, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now we're getting to the part that we just covered. Now Jesus just spoke of all the things that we're supposed to do. So technically, if he tells us to do this, we've just covered the will of God, correct? He's saying, blessed are those who do this. This is how we should walk. This is how we should be. Mm -hmm. Now verse 17. Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So this sounds like a contradiction. You know, for one, he said, till heaven and earth pass. Okay, so if, if you're speaking in the Quaker English, you usually say what you mean first. And then it's like the regular words come out. Like, for example, like it was kind of like saying, unless heaven and earth pass away, nothing will be taken from the law until all be fulfilled. He's not talking about the fulfillment of the end of the world. He's saying, unless those things were to happen, unless heaven and earth just evaporated, just disappeared, you know, no way in the world that I'm taking away anything from the Lord till all be fulfilled. 
Okay, does that make any sense? Okay. Verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so he's talking about whoever does these things. Now, it's obviously not about the law and the prophets he's speaking about. He's speaking about what he said from verse 1, you know, 5-1, all the things that were required for being a child of God. Okay, all the things that were needed, blessed is this. We are the light of the world, this and that. He said, whoever breaks those commandments are the least in the kingdom. So what did he give from verse 5 to verse 19? Commandments, okay, of what would be, what should be, and how we should walk. This has nothing to do with Moses' law. Right. He said, nothing shall, be, nothing shall be passed from the law till all be fulfilled. Verse 20. Now, why did you say that, Jesus? Mm -hmm. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. What were the scribes and Pharisees? Those who were of the Mosaic law. Those who are of the law of Moses. Okay, that's why he's saying, man, unless your righteousness exceeds those guys, man, you're not coming into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because the law doesn't point you back to Christ. The law was a schoolmaster until the coming of Christ, which we're going to go into. And then he says, because we have that, we are no longer in need of a schoolmaster. Uh, let's see, verse 22. And then he continues. Now, he just spoke about the righteousness of the Pharisees, right? Unless we exceed that, you know, that we won't make it into heaven. Now, look at this, verse 21. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill uh, shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say... Uh, to his brother, Raka, meaning like worthless or foolish or, you know, stupid, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. So we're not supposed to be calling people fools. All right? We're not supposed to be calling people stupid or anything else. All right? So the Lord is saying, because one of the points that they try and bring up too is, oh, the Lord didn't take away the law. He took it to another level. So now this is an intense law that they're speaking of by saying that you're supposed to, oh man, even if you think it, you know, you, you know, you're in trouble. That's not what he's saying. In other words, there's a nature change that has to take place so that your thoughts are not even that way. This is what he's saying. So what brings the nature change? The spirit, plain and simple. All right, verse 23. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar... And there rememberest uh, that thy brother uh, have ought against thee. Leave there thy gift uh, before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Now, does this sound anything like the 16 and 13, 613 commandments of, of the um, Old Testament? Except loving your neighbor and loving your Lord. You do both of those things, you complete the ten. Uh, agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, 
and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the other the uttermost farthing. So in other words, or uttermost farthing, the point that they're making here is, Jesus is saying, if you can make it right, then you'll make it right with that person. Don't get the law involved, because then you will pay. Then you'll end up in court. But he's also saying, don't agree with them for everything they do. If you are in the wrong, okay, if you're in the wrong, then make it right with them. He's not saying to forget what you know is right. Just to get along with someone. No, that's not what he's saying. All right, um, 27. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, That whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, Hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy uh, right eye offend thee, Pluck it out and cast it from thee, For it is profitable for thee, that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right eye offend thee, cut it off, from thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So what am I saying here? What is the Lord saying? You know, let's see if you guys understand this. Is he actually talking about cutting off your, you know, your physical hand or plucking your eye out just to make it into the kingdom of heaven? Anybody can explain this? What they think? All right, well, the thing is, is that if there's something that offends you, that you know that causes you to sin, Jesus is saying it's better to part from that thing than to, than to carry on with it and risk going to hell. If you know that certain things that you struggle with, like, you know, you uh, live around somebody that's doing drugs, you know, they, they might be, you know, sniffing coke every night and you're a recovering addict. You got a problem with it. Get out of there. You know, find another roommate. Move somewhere else. For the sake of getting along with this person, you're risking going to hell. You know, or if you, you know that there's things that you struggle with, if something is making you sin to where you know that you're drawn to it, then, man, you got to separate from that thing than the risk going to hell. So that's all he's saying. He doesn't mean pluck your eye out or cut your hand off. Because what the Muslims ought to know by now with their Sharia law, if someone steals and you cut their hand off or both hands, you may slow them down from stealing, but then they'll now choose their mouth and run off with it. Why? Because the nature is still in you. There's nothing physically that you can do to a person to change them. You might have hindered that, but they'll figure out a way to get it out of there. Believe me, cutting off a hand will only fill a person with fear and bitterness. Two things that have nothing to do with God's spirit. You won't be the same person, okay? Or you'll get someone to steal for you because your mouth is still active. What are they going to do, cut your head off? You may as well kill them. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so uh, that's the whole point. Um, hopefully we get it here, what he's trying to say concerning um, the only way to achieve this is through the law of the Spirit. Now, once did he mention something that had, I mean, well, some of this stuff is in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. but Jesus is saying, man, never mind willpower, okay? If the thoughts even come into your mind, you have already committed the act unless you repent of it and move on. Lord, forgive me. You know, forgive those thoughts for coming into my head, or I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus when the thoughts come and they'll flee from you. 
I know because the enemy tries that with me all the time. But I'm just saying they usually wait for vulnerable moments. And the reason why Jesus says this is because he also says that that's in a, uh, what a man thinketh is he. If you think these things, you will do them. They don't begin with somebody falling on your lap or you falling into bed. They don't begin with a bottle in your hand drinking away. You start to think about things like, oh, man, I'm stressed. I could use a drink. That's where it begins. You know, oh, I'm stressed. I don't know how to deal with this. And what does the devil say? Man, have a drink. Take a load off. And you have to say, no, you know, I'm okay or whatever. But you, man, I might have a little sip. I mean, after all, Jesus had wine. And then you're drunk on wine, you know, bottle empty, because it never really did take away the desire to do these things. Right. If you know you're addicted to porn, throw your pornos out. You know, have something put on your phone to where you can't even watch it. You know, get rid of the filthy movies and things you have if these things bind you. So that's all he's saying. It is better to suffer that, which your nature will change. If you're not exposed to those things in the world, your nature will change. You won't even have a desire for it. Give it a few weeks, get rid of it, and watch what happens. It's like you won't even think about it anymore. The enemy may say, hey, why don't you, you know, watch it? You, no, nah, I'm good. Like, so you're building resistance. But it's better to just throw away what's offending you than to deal with it and get caught out there because you don't know what spirits come upon you. Jesus said, um, remember he said when the woman was caught in the very act of adultery, he told her, um, go and sin no more. He gave her grace. She wasn't stoned. But he said, go and sin no more. Why? Unless the worst thing come upon you. So sometimes we can go into that and you don't know what spirits you're gaining That'll build strongholds in you. That'll keep you from doing the Lord's will. All right, so um, that's a good example, too, on this subject was the fact that Jesus gave the woman grace. No one stoned the woman. They all walked away. Jesus said, like, he who is without sin cast the first stone. They all walked away. So what did that mean? They were not keeping the law. Mm -hmm. Okay, there was something that they were doing that they shouldn't have been doing. So they figured, all right, this guy might know. So I'm just going to drop the stone and walk away since he can read minds. All right. Jesus would have been the only one standing there with the stone. Everyone else would have been killed. Okay. So that's the example is that the law could not be kept. All right. And uh, we'll prove this. Let's go to, well, let's, let's make the point about the law here. Let's go to Matthew 22. You guys should have this one memorized. Matthew 22 and 35. Yeah, but then there's another part, too, that's going to conclude that. 22 what? 35. Okay, so this is when Jesus just got finished whipping on the Sadducees, you know, giving them the lip service for real, you know, shutting them down. And then verse 34, and it says, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put, to, put the Sadducees to silence, uh, they were gathered together. So here comes the second barrage. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. You'll find a lot of people, even in churches, they believe in a rapture, but a pre-trip rapture, that means you don't believe in the resurrection. So, you know, you got Sadducees walking among us. Uh, verse 35. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, in other words, like a scribe, 
you know, uh, asked him and said, I mean, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So what does that tell you? Everything from the Old Testament. If you're, if you're loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you complete the Ten Commandments. The first five are you and your relationship with God. The last five is how you treat your neighbor. That is all we need to be able to keep. Being governed by the Spirit of God, doing His will. Jesus said, hang all that stuff on all the law. He didn't say some of it. He didn't say part of it. He didn't say just a sacrifice. He said all the law and the prophets. Mm -hmm. All right, let's go to Acts 15. I don't care who don't like this video. You know, I don't care who's going to. I'm even tell them where it is. So you can look it up for yourself. Exactly. Because, you know, I've heard this argument long enough, and all that Old Testament law does is push people in pride. That's all it does. It fills you with pride. Go ahead. And it's kind of like the religion these days is two sides to one coin because you have one on one side, you have people that are like the Hebrew Israelites that are trying to bring people to Israel that don't believe in a preacher of Rab or the holidays. But then you have the other side of that coin is you're still void of the Holy Spirit because you're believing in Roman Catholic doctrine, which mm -hmm. is the false holidays and that the spiritual gifts are done away with. Oh, yeah. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, those are things that you're going to find false doctrine everywhere. That's why Jesus said, you know, there were many that will come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we're supposed to get out of this. We're supposed to follow the straight and narrow, follow the Lord, all that he calls us to do. Right. Because you will lose your faith messing around in these false places. And certain men, so it's uh, Acts 15, verse 1, everyone there? Yeah. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. So here we go again. You can take this circumcision right off and you can mention the Sabbath. You can mention, you know, any other thing that these guys like to talk about. You know, trying to push people up under this. Unless you do this, you can't be saved. What does the Bible say? There is no other name given amongst men whereby you must be saved. And we read earlier, mm -hmm. Christ is the faith in Christ, which will lead you to great works in Christ, okay, is the only way to be saved, is to do, believe in Christ, and the Holy Ghost comes on you. You get baptized because you believe in faith that Jesus Christ is the way, and that's when you get the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. You continue in his ways, you'll get more of a filling of the Holy Ghost to do the will of the Lord. But they're trying to, oh, well, unless you do this, you can't be saved. You know, someone should have said, show me in the Bible where it says that. <laughs> right. Because this is exactly where you get this. When people try and push false doctrine to you, don't argue. Show me in the Bible where it is. And most times, many take it out of context. It's got nothing to do with what we're talking about. All right, so now they're pushing their doctrine of Moses on them. Verse 2, 
When therefore Paul and Barnabas had small had no small dissension uh, and disputation of them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. So, you know, these people are now confused and they want to know, okay, well, what's true? Maybe we should go to the elders and talk about it and see what's what. Verse 3, And being brought on their way uh, by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, uh, declaring the a conversation of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of a sect, here they come, you know, rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and um, to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for, uh, for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much uh, disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Okay, so this is the only reason Paul was sent, for the truth of the gospel and believe. It says nothing about some law. <laughs> oh, verse 8. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And put no difference between us and them, uh, purifying their hearts by faith. So what purifies the heart? What changes the nature? Faith. Yeah, they'll tell you what's the law. Okay, so uh, verse 10. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Mm -hmm. So how can their fathers, their, their ancestors, and then were able to bear it, but somehow you're going to come up with doing these works of the law and everything's supposed to be okay? But look at what it also says. He's, they're tempting God by trying to even hang to the law. Why even tempt the Lord if you can't even hang to the law? <laughs> so that makes God angry to be able to think that way, you know, to try it. Anyone want to add anything? Or? Okay. Everybody said we stay quiet. We'll get out of here sooner. <laughs> oh. No, I'm kidding. Um, let's go to Galatians 3. This is why I named uh, today's lesson about the foolish keepers of the law <laughs> who have bewitched you. We're going to see this in Galatians 3, starting in verse 1. Everyone there? All right. O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before those uh, eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Okay, so he's making a distinction here 
Like, you know, now, did you get the Spirit of God by doing the works of the law or by the hearing of the faith in Jesus Christ? Verse 3, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? It's ridiculous. <laughs> Have ye suffered so many things in vain, uh, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth uh, to you the Spirit that worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. So through the hearing of faith is what strengthens your faith, you know, that allows you to be able to do the miracles of God. Why? You're governed by the Spirit of God. Even as Abraham believed God and, and it was accounted uh, to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. See, now this is an interesting point that he brought up Abraham because Abraham was the father of many nations, but Abraham didn't keep a law, okay, because he was before the law. So how was Abraham a friend of God and one that the Lord loved, that the Lord did many things through Abraham, if Abraham was keeping the law of Moses? He wasn't, you know, he was after that. I mean, before that, sorry. Does that make sense? Because it's like, what, what law did Adam and Eve obey other than not eat of the tree of the garden? They, you know, so, Well, they had to, uh, after they fell from sin, they had to abide by the laws that God gave them after they right. went out. And then, you know, that went down. But yeah, you're right. What I mean, if they weren't upheld by the Mosaic law, it's like, okay. Yeah, and was there sin before, was the, were there laws before they sinned? No. They were in relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's who I believe walked in the garden, you know, in the cool of the day. All right, um, verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of Abraham, I mean be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Okay, so you know, this is the book. Well the the first five books were the books of the law. I mean, well as far as uh, Levitical law numbers and deuteronomy but he's saying here that you know the bible saying cursed that everyone that doesn't do the will of the you know the works the law the book of the law well this book was still being written at that same time what did jesus preach grace okay what did he preach mercy he did tell us to part from sin but this these were the teachings of jesus that were you know paul's pretty much talking about right here uh, verse 11 but that no man be is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. Now that you can find that in a few places. That's in Hosea. That's even in um, Ephesians. And it's, uh, I think, in, in Romans 2 also. Well, Hebrews 1 of the 2. But um, verse 12. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. So if you do any part of the law, you are you are in the law still. You gotta live by them. What was the law? A cruel taskmaster. Maybe not cruel, but it was a cruel it was a tough schoolmaster. It was strict. So if this is how you want to be governed by, 
then you have to be treated in like, like manner. Ain't no grace for you. You want to obey their laws and believe in your works? Okay. So if you mess up, you know what happens in Mosaic law. That's the grace that you get is stoning or whatever they, you know, the penalties are. Why would you want to choose that? Because, because some people have a hard time believing that, and I know it was a rhetorical question, yeah. but some people have a hard time believing that the Spirit of God can change them outside of them doing extra works. You know, it's I got a tangible because not like right. I have exactly. It's a natural way of thinking. If I'm doing this, then I'm getting God's respect. God only deals with God. Till Christ is formed in you, then you can't do the will of God. There's nothing that can be done. God only deals with God. He deals with God in you. He doesn't deal with you. We're too dirty. Okay, it takes Christ in you to to be able to deal with God. Good. And wasn't the law for the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt to purge them mm -hmm. of that because they had they had gone astray for That's so right. long it was to bring them back on course but they were, it was never meant for them to stay up under the law no. it was just to get it was them to back take to Egypt out of right. them which it didn't do right they still were rebellious and doing everything so if the law was such a big deal why do you read in almost every heading every front Every uh, uh, verse one yeah. and almost every chapter of the Old Testament, the children of Israel were disobedient before the Lord. Right. They did not obey God. They went after other gods. They did other things because they had not the spirit of God. Now, there were a few exceptions that were led by the Lord, Elijah. You know, uh, even his running away would have been considered a sin. It would have been unbelief. You know, but you didn't see Peter and the boys running from anybody. Why? Because of the fact that they had the Spirit of God in them. The Holy Ghost was given to them when Christ left. He left them with another comforter. So do you think... I'm just trying to understand No, this. it's cool. Um, do you think the law was more like made to help get them to the Spirit, like a guide? Yep. And then it was just taken out of hand and right. kind of used as misdoctrine? It was to prepare them for the coming of Jesus Christ. And that's why there were so many prophecies about him. Because it was meant to, hey, when he comes... We're not going to have to deal with this anymore. Okay, so that's what it was all about. Mm -hmm. This is going to be the fulfillment of the law. So that's what he meant by not the fulfillment of Moses' law. It was the fulfillment of the law of the Spirit. His death, burial, resurrection, and giving us the Holy Ghost that we may be like Christ. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, uh, where are we? 13. <laughs> Christ hath redeemed us uh, from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles uh, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Faith. There you go. Mm -hmm. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, uh, yet if it be confirmed, no, man's, uh, no man disannulleth or addeth, uh, there too. So you can't take or add to grace. Okay, when grace is in your life, you can't just, well, I'm going to get rid of this and then do this, you know, and think you're going to be justified. You got to be, Christ has to be formed in you. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promise made. He said not, and to seeds uh, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ the law, 
uh, which was 430 years after, cannot disannulleth that it should make the promise of none effect. Exactly. Abraham was close to God. This was before the law, you know, was uh, Moses' law was put into play. And he's saying that just because we have 430 years of Moses' law doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, get rid of what we had before. It doesn't take away from that. That was only to get a rebellious people that were in Egypt for 400 years with a 400-year, you know, law to get them out of it, you know, or whatever, even though it was longer than that. But the point that he's making is that's what it took to get them out of it, and it still didn't work. Right. But it was preparation for the coming of the Lord because they were a people without a law. They learned the laws of God. You know, some were able to keep some of it and others were not. But the point is, as it was getting us ready for Christ. Verse 18, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Now, before Abraham, um, before the children of Israel went through Egypt, you know, into the wilderness, into the promised land, they were clearly... Um, you know, Abraham was promised the land that they were in. Abraham even saw the land and the giants were there, you know, but this was before that whole thing where, you know, they had to go down into Egypt. Mm -hmm. So Abraham was promised that his ancestors would inherit this land. So this is what they're saying, that it was given, the promise was given to Abraham. You know, it's not anything he had to do. He had faith. Not only did he have faith, Isaac had faith. Jacob had faith, okay, because Jacob came down. Jacob had 12 sons. Jacob's sons had faith. What did Joseph say? Before I die here, take, I mean, before we get freed from Egypt, take my bones with you. I don't even want to have my bones here in this place. Why? Because he believed that there would come someone. They didn't know it would be Moses, but Moses would come in the name of the Lord and deliver them out. So by all, all these things occurred by faith. They didn't come by, um, law. by law. Yeah. Okay, it was by faith, and if you guys want to look it up, uh, go to, don't go there now, but you can write it down, um, Hebrews chapter 11, mm -hmm. it'll tell you everything about how the faith itself is what the people of God did to do the will of the Lord, all of Hebrews chapter 11, we call that the hall of faith, alright, so, where am I, 19, yeah. wherefore uh, then serveth the law, uh, it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come uh, to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator and mediator is Christ. Uh, now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Okay, so we understand here that if there is no transgression, there'd be no law. What did Adam and Eve have? Fellowship with the Lord. They were just, he just said, man, go, be fruitful, be fruitful, multiply, you know, replenish the earth and, you know, do the things of the Lord. You know, just enjoy yourselves. You're good. I made you good. Yeah. Isn't it also that by the time that that got to Moses that it, we had been so far removed from Jesus Christ as well? Oh, yeah. That he was only talking to a few instead of an entire people? What do you mean? Like, in the beginning, he could still communicate with Adam and Eve. Oh, and then eventually he was dealing with Moses alone. Right. Because Moses was one who could see. Exactly. I mean, when you look at things and Cain and Abel, the Lord speaking to Cain, and he says, Cain, why are you wroth? Mm -hmm. Try and hear God's voice right now. You hear anything? 
because we're so far removed, not that he can't speak to us, he does, but what I'm saying is conditions have to be right now to hear the Lord. Where at one point, the Lord talked to them like, you know, Cain, what's the problem? Where's your brother? It wasn't, I think that's my conscience talking to me. No, it was God himself. Why? Man was closer. Man became more defiled as time went on. You know, we don't live nearly as long. We um, got entertainment and everything now. So there's no time for God. This is how, you know, man thinks. And this is why we have to be born again taken out of this matrix to hear the voice of the Lord, to really have a relationship. Uh, where am I? Verse 20, verse 21. Is the Lord then against the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which uh, could have given life, uh, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Uh, but the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. So it's all about believing in Christ. That's our remedy. You know, the Holy Ghost will do the work through us. Now, the law itself wasn't against God. God gave the law. Why? Because it was a people that did things outside of the will of God. Okay, so that's why he's saying, was the law bad? No. But the law couldn't get you into the promise. That's all they're saying here. But some people would say, see, we got to cling to the law because God is not saying to give it up. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is there's no way to obtain the promise through the law. As good as the law was, you know, it couldn't be, it couldn't fix the problem, you know, that was wrong. Um, stay where you are, but go, or hold where you are. And let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Timothy chapter 1, we'll start at verse 1, because this will give some understanding too. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior. What? God our Savior? They're calling Jesus God. Jesus is the only Savior we have. Right. To God our Savior and the Lord and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it didn't say and the Lord and Lord Jesus Christ. So he's our God and he's our, and he's our Lord, uh, which is our hope. Uh, verse 2, unto Timothy, my own son, in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father uh, and, and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now notice he changed it up in two, but he says God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a distinction there, but in the first one, he was speaking of Jesus Christ, you know, both of them. Verse 3, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia and thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So he was after people that weren't teaching the doctrine. He was trying to make the corrections. He's correcting Timothy. Verse 4, Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith to, I mean, so do. This again, what we deal with concerning what's his face? You know, the problem is endless genealogies, fables. Oh, well, we're really Israel. We're this, we're that. Where is there the edifying of Christ in it? I don't care if you were telling the truth. It doesn't matter. It, it raises more questions. Oh, okay, so if we're the children of Israel, then who were those people? Then who were they? Then what about the people that are mixed in between? 
What about the other people that are in the land right now? That raises more questions than it gives answers. The focus is Jesus Christ. Okay? Because I could care less who the children of Israel are. I'm following the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. All right, five. Uh, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from uh, which some have swerved, uh, have turned aside unto vain jangling. Look at this. You see how some have swerved. They might have started out in the word of God, but since they went into, you know, fables and endless genealogies and not, you know, seeking faith, look where you end up. You know, you swerve. You're not even on the thing. Vain jangling, I'm Israel. You have no right to talk to me. <laughs> you know, you see all that stuff? I can't be in a room full of people, you know, that are believing in Jesus Christ because they're not of God and we are the people. You know, he had the nerve to walk in here and say that he felt the devil. Yeah, he felt the devil within him. Yeah. Okay, that's what it was that he was battling. He said, there is nothing from outside of a man that defileth a man, but that which is inside of a man. Yep. All right, verse 7. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say, nor whereof they affirm. Oh, man. Verse 8. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Can you use it lawfully void of the Spirit? No. Absolutely not. Verse 9. Knowing this, that the, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. Now look at this. Now what he means by the law wasn't made for a righteous man. You're driving in your car going up the street, you know, police come, someone's speeding. You know it ain't you if you're, if you're on the speed limit. But if you were just going 70 or 80 in a 30, you know, in a 30 speed limit, you know, zone, now you want, oh, I wonder if they're after me. Why do you care now? Because you were breaking the law. You were, you were a transgressor. You were a sinner. Mm -hmm. Isn't it funny that when we sin, the first thing we think about is trying to make it right with the Lord through some type of works? You know what that is? That's the flesh. Because if we're following the Lord in the spirit... You don't have to worry about that sort of thing. But it's when you're doing dirt. What did Adam, what was Adam and Eve told? Um, you know, he said, because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife and disobeyed me, your husband will rule over thee. You shall be a tiller of the ground, or, you know, you shall work by the spread of, sweat of your brow. Unto dust you were, and unto dust you'll be again. Why? Because then he had to lay down the law. Why? There were things that were wrong. But if you're led by the Spirit of God, you have grace in the Lord, you can be changed in the Lord. Why? Because Christ is being formed in you. That's what it's all about. All right, so that's the part I wanted to get. But it says for murderers, uh, mothers, murderers of mothers, and for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for uh, men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to what? Sound doctrine. So that's the whole point. Sound doctrine is key. I mean, some people may try and use the word deceitfully to make themselves feel good. There are people that will try and find scripture so they don't have to do anything. They'll take it out of context. 
but it's not in the spirit of God that this is being presented. Right. So, you know, it has to be sound doctrine. That's the bottom line. And one, the law was not made for a righteous man. That's what I, you know, put there. When there is rebellion, when there is transgression, when there's, you know, iniquity, when there's sin, that's when the law becomes loud to you. So what do we do? We strengthen the law through sin. Law also strengthens sin. That's why the tree was the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil. When someone tells you you can't touch it, isn't it funny how you just want to? Mm -hmm. But before that point, you don't think about it. Okay, so this is what it means by the law itself being the strength, I mean, or sin being the strength of the law. Um, we can forget 1 Timothy, keep your hand in Galatians. We're going to uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and 56. That's like right next door. So you guys won't beat me up. Let's start at 55. 1 Corinthians 15 and 55. No, I'm not picking on Christina. Everybody was in that place. Trust me, you're not the first. Oh, yeah. Corinthians, what? Um, 15 and 55. Okay. And it says, there you go. <laughs> o death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know uh, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So we understand here that this is why what Paul will even tell you when we go to Romans 7, Paul will even tell you that it was because of the law he was introduced to sin. Mm -hmm. You know, before that point, you don't know of, of the sin that way. Mm -hmm. You know, so... Um, Let's just finish uh, Galatians 3, and then we'll get into Romans 7. And where am I in Galatians 3? Uh, 23, I believe. All right, 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which uh, should afterwards be revealed. So it was almost impossible for you to have the faith if you were under the law. Okay, because you'll always feel like there's some sort of works that you need to do to prove yourself. You want to be led by the Spirit of God. 24. Wherefore the Lord was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Uh, for we all for we are all of but we are all the children of God by faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. He said, we are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Right? I ain't saying anything about any color, or are you Israel, or are you not Israel? Verse 27, for as many of you as uh, have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all, 
uh, one in Christ Jesus. Now, a couple of key points I want to bring up. He said, you know Greek. He believed, he's going to be named he tonight, but he believed that when he says Jew no Greek, he was only speaking to the Greek slaves that were really Israel, okay, and and the Jews that were, you know, of Israel. So it's only those Jews that were considered Greeks that were in the foreign lands. Now, this is how you can read something plain and still miss it because you're blinded by your own heart and desire to be someone. This is not the works of the Spirit. This is the works of the flesh. All right, so it says, um, oh, and that male nor female, that does not mean that a woman can be a pastor. Okay, this is something entirely different. He's saying that there's none above another in the kingdom of God. We're all one. It's not like the females over here and the males over here. We're all one. But when it comes to governing, God still has his headship. That's why you'll read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And in Timothy, I mean, what? Like the very next thing after we read... Mm -hmm. He goes into what the requirements are for certain offices. Women can be teachers. Women can be um, prophetess. They can be evangelists. They cannot be pastors because they're fathers. They cannot be apostles because how can you be an apostle? That means you would sit above a pastor. That means you'd be a woman that built churches. So that puts all men in the church subservient to you. That makes no sense. Okay, so... I just want to get that straight because someone may say, see, what does it say here? You know, Romans chapter 7. I feel like we're going fast today. You guys are like not nearly fast enough. So far, believe it or not, as much as we covered, we don't have much longer to go. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Almost. It's all right, it's all right. Romans 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Uh, for the woman which hath an husband uh, is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law uh, to her husband. Yeah, of uh, the law of her husband. Uh, so then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, uh, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married uh, to another even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So in other words, you can't be a part of the body of Christ if you're married to Christ. I mean, and, and you're going to serve the law too. You know, that would be you either serve one or the other. You're either under Christ, married to Christ, that you're free from the law, 
or you're not married to Christ, which you can be a part of the law and be judged by the law. Mm-hmm. You know, and either way, you'll go to hell because you're not, you know, a part of Jesus Christ. All right, so they're making that comparison with a man being married and then dying. I mean, or the woman being married and then her husband dies, then she's free. It's the same way how Christ came. The law is dead. So he said that we are dead to the law because of this. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. All right, five. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, uh, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Why? Because it was dead works. You know, it could not get you into the promise. Verse 6, But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, uh, that we should serve in newness of spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. So you guys get that? They're talking about one covenant and another. Let's go to, um, stay where you are, but we're going into... uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Yeah, everywhere we'll go is going to be real close by, so. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You're good. Don't worry about it. I'm writing notes. You'll be surprised how well you begin to know this Bible after a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you ye are ye are our epistle written in our hearts known and read of all men for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us are written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God not in tables of stone but in fleshly tables of the heart this is also written in Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one, when they spoke of the future prophecy where God would write his uh, commandments in our hearts and not on stone tablets. Mm-hmm. Again, this is comparing the law with the spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, if your heart isn't changed, that's right. If your heart isn't changed, it doesn't matter. You are still the same person. You may not even do the things you used to do, but if you have a desire to want to do those things or do them, You're only like a a wild animal in a cage. You open the cage, you're going to go out and do what you do. All right? So what we're seeking is the nature change, verse 4. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. So we got trust in Jesus Christ that he'll change our hearts, heading towards God. Uh, And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Uh, Not that we are sufficient of of ourselves, to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So we put no confidence in the flesh. Jesus Christ is the one that's going to make things different in our lives. And, and I'm not going to say it violates your, you know, he's not going to violate your free will. You obviously have to obey. But what I'm saying is the spirit of God is what does all the work. Right. 
uh, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the men, but if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. So it was supposed to be done away. <laughs> Means we're not supposed to be following it. Then you go down further, verse 8. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, uh, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. So in other words, man, it's going to do an even greater work to be of the Spirit of God and not serving of the letter. Mm -hmm. For even if which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more uh, that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of oh, the end of, of that which was abolished, but their minds be blinded, uh, for until uh, this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Plain and simple, it's saying it again and again and again. And people won't get it. But notice he said that the veil is still on those that have not done away with the law. This is why as much as we try to explain, as much as we talk to these people, as much as we try and get them to see, they don't see. Mm -hmm. What I also learn in them too is that they are ignorant in the spirit. Mm -hmm. They can tell you everything in the Old Testament about what days were, were the, the feast. You know, and all this other stuff, when the kingdom split up, when Moses did this, when Joshua did that, who was the 10th, 12th king, when did the 10 tribes leave and go to another place? You know, they can tell you all of that, but they are ignorant of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they have not the Spirit of God. They're, they're trusting in their own works to make their salvation, and it just cannot be done. All right, we can head back to Romans 7. I know you guys are like, man, you, we get it, man. Major point. But, you know, with, for these boneheaded people, we have to cover yeah. certain things but, because they'll try and find doctrine to slip around it. But not everybody gets it because their flesh is holding them bound. Exactly. Well, let's see. Seven. I'll just read through the seven. Uh, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. See? For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. You see what I'm saying? So when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty not to fulfill the lust of the flesh, okay? But that liberty is to serve Christ without being, you need to do this and it needs to be that. Legalism is cold. You don't want to be a part of legalism. You want grace. Because legalism, I mean, none of us would be here. Okay, with that. But sin taking um, occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, which is like wrongful desires. For uh, without the law, sin was dead. You see that? Mm -hmm. For I 
For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Why? Because now I have something to fight against in the flesh. I'm doing things in my effort void of the Spirit. Okay, so now I have to try to stop doing something and let the Spirit of God govern me to not do it. Mm -hmm. uh, where am I? Ten. Ten. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin taketh occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Whereof the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just and good. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. Uh, but sin that it might appear sin, working death in me, by that which is good, that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. So in other words, again, you're dealing in the law, you're dealing in your flesh, you're dealing in your effort, void of the spirit, getting in the way of what the Lord wants you to do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we come up with bright ideas, we want to try something new, they weren't inspired by the Lord. That was your way that the devil used, or the way that the devil used you to get in his way, I mean, well, get in the Lord's way from helping you out. Right. You know, um, was it verse 14? Mm -hmm. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold unto sin. For that which I do, I, I allow not. For what I would, that uh, do I not. But what I hate, that I do. Now it's true. We've all been in this place. You know, that, that level of oppression where you all, you know, that which you, um, what did he say? Let me read this again. Because <laughs> I want to explain it. I understand it. But he says, for that which I do, I allow not. Okay, so that which you do, it's kind of like you allow not the Spirit to come in and work through you. And then it says, for what I would, that I do not. Okay, so for what you should, in other words, you won't do. Mm -hmm. And then he says, that I do not, but what I hate, that I do. That is your sin. You know, you ever hated your sin, but you can't stop doing it? That's being oppressed, you know, by it. Why? A lot of the times we come up with bright ideas, we want to do different things, and they don't work. Be led by the Spirit to do the righteous things of God to carry on. Mm -hmm. All right, um, where am I? 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Uh, now then, is it no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me? You see? Now, this is why you don't want to partake in things that are outside of the will of God. Because what you end up doing is sin doing the work through you, and you not having enough power to stop it. Right. Uh, where am I? 18. 18. For I know that in me, uh, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing for to... For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Mm -hmm. Why? No spirit. Okay, this is all in the flesh. These are the works of the flesh. The law couldn't bring you into these things. Verse 19. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more that I... Of that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the what? 
inward man. Who's the inward man? The Holy Spirit. Exactly. That's in your spirit. That's the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. That's where he works. 23. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. Now there's two different things there. You see that? There's two different spirits there. He said, um, uh, verse 23, But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. Okay, the law of your mind is the Holy Ghost. Hold where you are. Let's go to Ephesians 4 real quick. We'll start at verse 22. That's just a few uh, things there. Uh, let's go to verse 17. Go verse 17. Ephesians 4 and 17. You there? All right. And it says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not uh, as the Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. So you understand here that the Gentiles have a world mind versus the mind of God. Mm -hmm. Verse 18, having the, un the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So what's open? Their works might be open, but their hearts are closed. And this is the place where the Lord works. This is why Jesus said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Why? Because it will be written in our hearts. Loving the Lord, loving your neighbor, bam, you know, it's done. All right, so where am I, verse 19? Yeah. yeah. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, which is, you know, lustful desires, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ, See, so that's what's missing. If so be that ye have heard him and have been uh, taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. This is exactly what we were just reading. Uh, and that ye put on the new man after... I mean, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Not the appearance of holiness, truly being holy. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of the transformation that is going on in your mind. All right. Um, I think we could leave Romans 7 for a while. But I just wanted to make a couple of key points there. Um, we'll just finish. Verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the sin, but with the flesh the law of sin. Okay, so those that are of the flesh, they follow the law of sin. Those that are of God, of the spirit, they follow the spirit of God. Mm -hmm. So it begins in the newness of your mind. What is the spirit of your mind? The thoughts the godly thoughts that need to take place, the transformation, the way that you think. What does Jesus say? The way that a man thinketh is he. Okay, so if your thinking is changed, your nature changes. But that's why it's the spirit of your mind, because that's where the Lord goes. Right. That's who he works with. I think we're almost done. 
I want to tackle a couple of uh, key small points too because um, a couple of key points. Uh, let's go to First Timothy chapter four. I know we were just there, but the Bible is like a jigsaw puzzle. You got to be able to put it together. guys won't believe how much scripture we covered when I, when I show you guys this page already. I think we wrote it all down. <laughs> That's true, right? You got everything pretty much on your page. Alright, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Almost there, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm slacking this time now. No, nah, it's right next to them. The others. I'm getting good. <laughs> well, the a tape. lot of help. <laughs> Nah, it's cool. Go ahead, I'll, I'll catch up. He's almost there. You too. You'll catch up. There we go. Alright. Alright, First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That's something we got to be careful with, too, because a lot of people may not feel anything when you do wrong things. That's because your conscience is being seared. When you get used to seeing violence, you know, or wherever you go or whatever you do, when you get used to certain types of language and, you know, your conscience is being seared. That's the only reason why Satan put these things in our lives. Now, we may say, I know the true ways of God. But depending on what we watch and what we get into, if your conscience is seared, then the, the Holy Ghost works through your conscience. So if your conscience is seared and you don't even have guilt for some of the things you're doing, can you imagine like what's happening to you? Mm -hmm. This is why people can be desensitized to violence and feel nothing about it. You have a killer going, you know, shoot you and then go eat lunch, not even thinking about what he just did. Mm -hmm. Once, okay. Okay. Is that possible for someone who's truly saved to be seared? No. No. No, you have to have, actually, the closer you get to the Lord, there is a chance that their conscience was seared and the Lord came in and intervened. Mm -hmm. But the um, what you find usually is you become more sensitive to the Holy Ghost, mm -hmm. where you get more of a, man, that was wrong. I remember one guy um, I yelled at, it was like last year sometime, I think when it really started hitting me, you know, and um, Ryan and I were dealing with the guy. I can't remember who the guy was, but I remember telling Ryan afterwards, man, I shouldn't have said that. See, that's the Holy Ghost working on you. Uh, I should have been trying okay. to minister to him, you know, and talk to him about the Lord. But instead, it was, you know, get off the property. You know, where's security or, you know, or else. So it's like things that he begins to bring to mind. Like, okay, I know you're working. I know you're here to deal with unlawful people. But you may want to have some mercy and tenderness of heart because that's who I am. You know, if you're not trying to bring them to Christ, you have no solutions for them. You're just kicking them off the property. You know, so those are things that you want to be careful with. You going to say something? Mm -hmm. uh, what are you thinking about? Huh? Oh, your mind is elsewhere. Verse 3. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused, 
if it be received with thanksgiving. So that tells you there. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying pork is the best, but this is what he says in verse 5. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So whatever it was that could have been against you, you know, if you pray over it, it's sanctified in the Lord. These guys didn't have the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament, which is why they had to really walk a certain way. You know, they didn't have personal relationship. They did what Moses told them to do, what, what the Lord told Moses to do. You get what I'm saying? But now that you seek relationship, now that you can get down on your knees and pray, you know, before the Lord and the Holy Ghost lives in you, these things can be sanctified. He said there's no creature to be refused, you know, if it be received with thanksgiving, prayer, sanctifying the food. But again, a legal binding person, a lawful person, nah, man. You can't eat this. And you should see when they're explaining it to you. You eat this. <laughs> it's bad. And we're supposed to be temples of Christ. And no man that believes in God will eat pork. Do you hear me? This is how serious they get. And you're looking at them like, man, read your Bible. For they, oh, it's unclean. And then go back to the Old Testament and leave me alone. I'm reading what's here. You know, what's said. So I just wanted to bring that up with food. Colossians uh, 2 and uh, 16. Well, ice cream is it's good tasting, but it's not always good for you. Exactly. I'm having trouble finding it right now. Sarah saves me. Some books are so small, oh, I gotta keep see. skipping them. Bing and boop on my head. I just know the page number. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alright, uh, Colossians 2 and uh, 15. It's right by Galatians and all the others. You there? Yeah. Okay. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Okay, so this tells you here, again, let no man judge you according to this. Now, I do want to make some key points concerning a holy day because, you know, you might not have heard, but the fact of the matter is God had seven feasts, you know, seven festivals or things that he had as far as holy days. There was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you know, there was uh, Pentecost, you know, there was the Day of First Fruits, and all these other things that he had for them to worship him. This is what they're talking about in respect of an holy day, okay? Holidays are not holy days. Holidays are pagan, ritual, Gentile days that worship other gods, okay? I'll tell people the truth, people can decide for themselves, all right, Christmas has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Easter has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. They're following other gods. When you go into all these holidays, if you look at the satanic ritual abuse calendar, on all of those holidays, they sacrifice children, you know, go into all kinds of orgies and doing different things. Now, like I said, everybody can choose for themselves. I can show them in this book where every single holiday. Now, mind you, this world hates Christ, right? That's clear. But on December 25th, everyone can go shopping and, you know, it's the spirit of Jesus in here. And, you know, we all love one another. 
Oh, all of a sudden, Jesus is important on one day of the year, but no one can talk about him. If this world belongs to Satan, do you really think that Christmas has anything to do with Jesus Christ? It doesn't. Okay? And you can go to Jeremiah 10, write that down, and uh, you can read it. But He even got removed out of that day, even though it wasn't originally based on Jesus Christ. That's right. He tried to, you know, put the two together, but now it's the spirit of Christmas. Right. Christmas is, you know, um, started by the Catholic Church. Like I said, the amazing thing about God and his separation from the world, when the two link together, God loses everything. The world loses nothing. Mm -hmm. That's just the way that it is. Anytime Satan tries to get into a piece of what God has, God will, you know, well, well, God won't compromise, but we will tend to, all right, for the sake of peace, let's just do this. And then what happens? Before you know it, you're defiling yourself before the Lord, and that person still isn't coming under obedience of Christ. Exactly. Because the goal was not for you. I mean, and, and I, like I said, not in every case. I brought a lot of people to Jesus, okay, that I thought would never come to Jesus Christ. But again, I talked to them for like a whole year. I was just pecking away and... You know, and uh, one girl threatened to break up with me. Like, if you don't stop with this Jesus stuff, I'm telling you, we're done. And I was like, all right, all right, all right, I'll, I'll stop. But then I just kept picking away. And now, you know, they believe in Christ. But is that guaranteed? No. Some have threatened to call the police on me for talking about Jesus. So it's just, it depends on what you're dealing with. But I will say, in that relationship, I engaged in sin. You know, I did a lot of things that were not of the Lord. Why? Because I compromised myself with her. Now, who's to say how much farther ahead I would have been had I not? Mm -hmm. Right now, I probably would have been raising the dead. You know, you never know. Walking on water. But you don't know these things at the time that you're, you know. That's true. But the devil, I mean, it's rare. Unless the Holy Ghost is really in you and he comes to you and breaks whatever's there. You know, and that person wants to see the truth, then they will. Because what convinced her was this. She said... What's going on in my life? I think it was one thing I said, like, why not take a chance? And she said, what's going on in my life that I can't give him a chance? What's so great that's going on with me? But that wasn't me. That was the Holy Ghost, you know, that was breaking through that. But I'm telling you, for whatever reason, some people will not. Like, no, nah, man, I'm not going over there. You know, so we got to be careful with that. Verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So eventually, you know, we might be, you know, dealing with Sabbath days and the millennial reign of Christ. We may be dealing with, you know, the holy days and what we eat and what we drink because we are no longer at that point under grace. We're in the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is where he, we would have to be holy. But it's a shadow of things to come. Okay, but the body is of Christ, not of those works is of Christ. So this is where people get a lot of this stuff wrong. All right. Um, Galatians chapter 4. I was like, look, man. But that's how the church got compromised dealing with the Catholic Church. Right. There were some Christians that wanted nothing to do with it. And they lost their lives. Then you had other others that said, all right, there was enough blood, enough killing. For the sake of peace, let's just, you know, have Christmas and Easter and, 
you know, we'll Christianize it. You can't Christianize it. The Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, then what can the righteous do? That means if it had a wicked beginning, it's going to have a wicked ending. Why? It's wicked from the roots. You can't just throw Jesus on it and, you know, you know like go to the bathroom and not wipe your butt and put baby powder in your shorts and walk off. You think the stink's going anywhere? I mean, really. You have to be clean. Where did I say go again? Galatians four. Galatians four. Also, real quick on the the Catholic Church, you know, brought in Christmas and Christians started worshiping it. Satan had to find a new tactic because the martyring of them was not doing what he thought it would do. Because he'd martyr them and then they would keep popping up. Exactly. Because they saw that you know, obviously that they knew that Jesus Christ is real. And so he had to do something else. And what is those verses? Don't be afraid or fear not him that can kill uh, the body, but he, he that can kill the body. Mm-hmm. And is it the spirit or the soul? And, so, and the soul. And the right. soul. So that's what he did. Mm-hmm. You know, he was killing the body, but it wasn't doing anything because they were professing Jesus Christ. But when he killed their soul through, you know, universal religion and coming together, then hey, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys are going to hate me for this. <laughs> It's Acts 1. I mean, Acts, uh, let's see, not Acts, Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 1. I've got to nip this in the bud. You found it? What? Better late than never. You actually found where we were going? Just I just thought Matthew, I got excited. Halfway home, Matthew 12 and 1. Everybody there? All right. At the time Jesus went on the Sabbath day uh, through the corn, and his disciples were in hunger and began to pluck the ears of corn uh, and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, uh, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. Because the Sabbath day is supposed to be a day of rest. If you go to Genesis 2, it says on the seventh day the Lord rested from all his work and he sanctified it. We fell since then. Okay, it took the law of Moses to work on us. I'm not saying the Sabbath day is not holy. I believe it still is a holy day, but we can't be judged according to keeping it. That's the point that I'm making. Okay, so verse 3. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger? And they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the shoe bread, uh, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were uh, with him, but only for the priest. So in other words, David was a, you know, David's a type of Christ. All right. That's the thing. He is a type of Jesus Christ. He's not Jesus. But, you know, many of the things that he did in his stories were very much like Christ. He was from Bethlehem like Christ. You know, he was from the tribe of Judah like Christ. He was a king like Christ, you know, and um, the name David means beloved. We're going to cover a lot of that in the next study on Tuesday, but, um, you know, he was like Christ in many ways. But um, so, you know, he went in there and he took the showbread that was only meant for the priest. Uh, Verse five, or have ye not read in the law? How that on the Sabbath days the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath 
and are blameless. Okay, so they those guys have um, made mistakes on the Sabbath or defiled or corrupted somewhat the Sabbath, and they're blameless. Why? Because they're priests, you know, making sacrifice. They have some type of, um, I wouldn't say law over it, but, you know, they were priests that were considered blameless because, uh, I don't, I'm trying to explain it in a way that everybody could get it, but it's like that even though they did these things that they wouldn't be blamed, okay? And um, because they were in the priesthood. And then he says, or oh, have ye read in the law how on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and, uh, and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. So he was speaking of himself. He himself was a king like David and a priest like those who were held blameless. Okay, so Jesus was priest and king. And that's why it says, uh, But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known uh, what the meaning, I mean, what this means, uh, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Uh, ye shall, we would not have condemned uh, the, the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. So what does that tell you? If you've got Christ, you've got the Sabbath. What does the Lord call us to be? Priests and kings. Okay, so the fact of the matter is no one can judge you according to that. We are the temple of God. We sacrifice in the temple, and we're living for our godly inheritance, you know, under Christ. So we are covered by priests and kings. All right, that makes sense. We're part of the priesthood and the kingship. So don't let anybody judge you according to the Sabbath, like um, Colossians 2 um, and 16 says, because Christ himself is Lord of the Sabbath. What did they say? All things be in Christ. Remember, a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Mm -hmm. If you're in the body of the Christ, you are of Christ, you are keeping the Sabbath, because you've got Christ. Right. That's where the body dwells. All right, so um, you want to say something? Anyone? All right, now where are we going? You tell us. Huh? I said, you tell us. I know, right? Uh, where did I say go? Galatians 4. Galatians 4. Okay. Ryan was paying attention. Well, you're changing your mind, so I don't want to know if you're... You I'm sure. That. Bash the TJ. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. She'll have her, she'll no, have her day. I know. She'll have her time. Oh, real soon. Uh-oh. She's teaching on Sunday. We'll be waiting for you. Uh, Galatians 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, we when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. This is kind of like that matrix we were talking about, you know, as children. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. So Christ was born under the law, okay, made of a woman. There's no father here, okay? So this is telling you here that he came in the time of this, all right? So this is why some things still applied when he said, let not your uh, flight be on a Sabbath day. Like he said in Matthew 24, well, they were still somewhat under the law, even though he was bringing the truth in Christ. Why? All was not fulfilled. All right? The fulfilling of the Lord was his death, resurrection, and imparting the Holy Ghost to us. Mm -hmm. 
All right, so um, verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying like our father, daddy, father. Uh, wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Howbeit then, when ye knew uh, not God, ye did service unto them, which by nature are no gods. So before you knew God, you were in the world, serving other gods. Verse 9, But now after that ye have uh, known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereto you desire again to be in bondage? Like breaking free and asking to put the shackles back on me. I escaped slavery. I'm doing good. But now I'm asking to go back into bondage. Mm -hmm. You know, it's ridiculous. That's how people go back to the Lord. Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. So if you're following all these things, observing these days and all this stuff, and you have not Christ, he said, I'm afraid of you. Because I've just labored in vain. I'm teaching Christ here. And you guys are teaching, you know, or going back to the works of the law. Does that make sense? Yep. I am a, okay, verse 12. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Have not, ye have not injured me at all. Ye know now, ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation which was in my flesh ye despise not, nor reject it, but receive me as an angel of God, even as uh, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. He's saying this here because when he was a persecutor, the Galatians and everybody had heard of it. But since he's come to Christ and trying to be righteous and help them, he's saying they're not holding those things against him. Like they're accepting him as a child of God. Uh, where, Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that it is that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. That's how much support they've given him. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you that ye might uh, affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. All right, I want to skip down to verse 21. All right, and it says, uh, Tell me ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, and one by a bondmaid, and the other by a free woman. But he who had, that he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman um, was by promise. Okay, quick um, review. Um, you know about the story of Isaac. And, um, well, actually, Abraham and uh, Sarah. Um, at the time, Sarah was barren. She couldn't have children. So she it was her idea to go to her bondwoman, Hagar, mm -hmm. and try and have Abraham have a son with her. Okay, so what came out? Ishmael, 13 years older than Isaac. How ironic is that? Mm -hmm. He's 13 years older than Isaac, who was the child of the promise. He was a child of the flesh because it took fleshly thoughts to even think of giving your husband to another woman instead of waiting on the Lord. 
So he's there, you know, in the house. Then um, the Lord promises Sarah that she would bear. Sarah bears a son, Isaac. But now these two don't go together, the flesh and the, and the child of the promise. Ishmael even tried to kill Isaac. I think and uh, Sarah said, get that woman and her son out of my house. Now, it was her idea, but now she's talking about kick them out. So she's kicked them out so that Isaac could be the child of the promise and be saved. So those two can't rule together. You can't have the child of a slave and the child of a promise hand in hand. You can't keep some of the law and then follow the Spirit of God. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. You're going to fall under one or the other. All right, so this is what he's talking about. Verse 23. But he was uh, of the bondwoman uh, was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise, which things are an allegory uh, for these are the two covenants, uh, the one from uh, the Mount Sinai, which gendereth uh, to bondage, uh, which is Hagar. That's pretty much what they're saying. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in a bondage uh, with her children. So Hagar is compared to the law of Moses that was given on Mount Sinai, where um, Sarah, you know, uh, Isaac is the child of the promise, which is what God imparted to us. Isaac also is a type of Christ, 26. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, uh, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, uh, Rejoice thou barren, thou bearest not. Break forth and cry thou, thou that travaileth not. For the desolate which many more children uh, than she which have an husband. Okay, so the quick point is Isaac was the child of the promise. Verse 29 says, because I skipped down. But as then, he that is born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so, it, what it is now. So what we understand here is that the bond woman is a slave woman, which is the law. The, free, the freedom was, you know, Sarah... Isaac and the promise. All right, so that's all they're saying that these two warred against each other. Now, this is what Jesus says, remember in uh, John 3 that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit of spirit. So you have to be born again. Um, I'll just do this part real quick and then uh, Galatians 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free to be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. So even if you circumcise yourself just to follow the law, then you need to have a bullock out here sac sacrificing him at 6 p.m. You need to keep all of the law if you want to do part of the law. Mm -hmm. So there are no bits and pieces. You either forget the law you follow Christ, you'll be led by the Spirit of God, or you follow the law right to damnation, because Christ is not in that. He's not against the law, but this is a new covenant, which is led by the Spirit of God. All right, uh, verse uh, 4. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love, 
ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? You know who that is? The brethren crept in unawares. Mm -hmm. The same thing that we deal with when we're sitting there feeling good about the Lord, and then you have someone who's black heart-hearted. And I don't mean black as in color of your skin. I'm talking about dark-hearted to where you can't feel the Lord in yourself or Christ can't be formed in you, and then you come and throw rules and regulations on everybody trying to be hurt when you yourself have not the spirit. Right. Um, okay, so this is why they're not obeying the truth. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you, not of Christ. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little effort, a little flesh, okay, will not work with the Spirit of God. The Spirit is supposed to flow through a willing vessel, not fleshly effort. All right? So if you're led by the Spirit to do things, then that's great. But if you're not, then it's, it's dead works. It's all flesh. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. So whoever it is that's trying to turn you back to the Lord, you know, Lord, I'm praying for his soul. You know, I don't want to try and condemn anyone, but I'm just saying he needed to hear the truth because the only way to get through the people and, and break through whatever's there is to be honest with them. You're not on the side of God. You don't have the spirit of Christ. All right, so this is why I'm telling him this, not to pick on him. Uh, verse 11, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. Exactly. I would that they were uh, cut off, which trouble you. So Paul's saying, I'd rather you be castrated if you're going to argue about is circumcision or uncircumcision right. If that's what's keeping you from Christ, I'd rather you just cut the whole thing off so we can get back to who Christ is. That's pretty much what he's saying. All right, uh, verse uh, 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Who does that sound like? By love serve one another. You know, that you would have liberty. Exactly. These are the teachings of Christ. Verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou love, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He just said that all is fulfilled in one who does that. Now it's also um, loving the Lord too. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit is doing what the Lord calls us to do. I'm going to pick two things and close out. I wanted to go into Romans 9 because he talked about Romans 9. We're not going there. But I'm saying he mentioned Romans 9 to try and say something about Esau and Jacob. And I know where he's going with it. Trying to say some people are Edomites. Others are the children of Israel. So he, Paul was speaking to his people. Paul had trouble in his heart to his people concerning what they were doing. But the fact of the matter is... We were all one blood after Christ. So you can look at Acts 17. You guys can write that down. Acts 17, 21 through 30. But that'll tell you there that the Lord is calling all to be one blood. All nations, one blood under Christ. I don't have time to, to tackle Romans 9, but we are going to Romans 8. 
And then we're going to uh, Romans 12, just for one line, one or two lines in Romans 12, and we're done. I promise. But I'm telling you, man, these people get you so fired up, you want to cover every basis of everything because they'll try and come back with stuff. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked him that day. I said, you know, how do you feel about those people? I don't know if you were there when I asked him that. I said, how do you really feel about them? He told me, oh, I know one, you know, in my family. I know a white guy, you know, and he's cool. You know, and, oh, okay, you weren't there. But I had to ask him, how do you really feel about them? And then every time a person is confronted with racism, they do one or two things. Either they get the opportunity to say what's really on their heart, or they'll try and promote to you that they're not racist, even though deep down inside they are. You know, and then, then they'll try and make example. I'm not racist. I had one or two black people over my house, you know, one time. Like like uh, Dio Hewley said, and I hate to use a man of the world to explain things, but he said, if you know how many people been over your house, you're racist like you know what. And he's right. If you know, if you can count how many have been there somewhere, then that means you're keeping count. I don't even recognize half the time. Exactly. You sit there talking like, huh, I don't know. <laughs> all right, Roman day. We're not going to go through all of this, but there is uh, therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So there's no condemnation to those who walk after the spirit in Christ. This is why you wouldn't have to worry about the law if you're following what the spirit tells you. Verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his only, I mean his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So what did Christ take to the cross? The flesh. All right, he took the old man, he took Adam. He took Adam to the cross to be crucified so that the Spirit of God could live in man to go forward. So what do we have to do? Carry our cross. We have to die daily and do the things of the Lord. Uh, verse 4, that the righteousness of the Lord might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. This is the fulfillment that Jesus mentioned in Matthew 5 when he said, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets, I came not to destroy, but to fulfill. Right? This is what he was speaking of. The fulfillment was his death, burial, and resurrection, and distribution of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. It wasn't speaking about the old law or anything that pertained to it. Verse 5. Is that where I am? Yes. All right. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Now, after the flesh, or, you know, you think about the flesh. You care about the world. You care about who's going to be president. You care about all this other stuff that has nothing to do with God. That's a fleshly mind. Mm -hmm. Those who mind the spirit, the things of the spirit. You know, looking at someone's race, okay, is the work of the flesh. Because it even takes you to recognize that that person is a different color than you. Right. Okay, so that tells you right then and there. I mean, so you mean to say your soul is black? Your soul is white? You know, your soul is Asian? I mean, think about this. 
So you're going to be condemned along with your soul, even though it's your flesh. And what does the Bible say? No man will know Christ after the flesh. No man will know him how they knew him here on earth. He's not going to come back looking like he did when he was here. So it's like, forget about it. Move on in the spirit. Know Jesus Christ. Right. Be born again of the spirit. You won't worry about the things of the flesh. Uh, verse 6. Is that where? Yeah. Uh, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Is this law speaking of Moses' law? Or is it speaking of the law of the Spirit? This is the part that they miss. All right. Um, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It's that simple. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So this church calling itself the church is not the church of God without the Holy Ghost. All right, uh, verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life uh, because of righteousness. That's why you can't follow rules and rituals and things like that. you got to obey the spirit. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from him. You won't kill him. You won't sleep with his wife. You won't do all these different things. If you love the Lord, you're not going to be in idolatry serving other gods. This whole thing is so right. I mean, it just comes together. If you hang on to those two, you've got everything that the Lord is calling you to do. That is the nature of Christ. It's not about all the other stuff. Verse 11. But if the Spirit in him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his uh, Spirit that dwelleth in you. Uh, therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. But if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So sanctification is important. Forsaking a lot of sins that we have, that's what it means by mortifying your members. You know, every day, I'm not doing this anymore. Holy Ghost fills that area. I'm not walking in the flesh anymore. Holy Ghost fills that area. I'm not speaking in the flesh anymore. There's another filling. I'm not thinking in the flesh. There's another filling. So if, if your body becomes Christ in you, governed by the Spirit, then you, you think Christ is going to lead you back to sin? I mean, he's going to keep you, you know, following the, the Spirit. Can you say something? I'm just thinking my head's going, but I'm not saying <laughs> Why? You say? No, I'm just relating things. It's like. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things where we have to walk in the Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. All right? Now, remember what Jesus said. You know how that wind blows, where it goes. It goes in freedom, it goes in liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You think I get mad when people don't show up here? They've been here once and never come back? Hey, man, you heard the truth. The responsibility is now yours. It's not, oh, well, we're grateful that some of us hang around, but the others who shall remain nameless. You know, I mean, that's, come on. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Right. All right? People are going to come. People are going to go. That's just the way it is. You know, the churches run the same way. Some people show up for Easter. Easter only. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> you know, some people only show up when things are going wrong in their lives. Some people are there all the time and not learning a thing. Some people come enough to get enough of the word, and then, you know, they come periodically. So it's, it's really all about, you know, we got to be led by the Spirit. If the Lord tells you, I want you somewhere, who am I to say the Lord wouldn't tell you that? What he wants you to do is sit right here and learn more about this Bible. Not according to the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God may say, go down to that hospital and lay hands on that man. I want you someplace else. I want you to go to Gresham. Tell this guy who's on drugs, he doesn't need to be on drugs anymore, and bring him back. So these are things that the Spirit governs. It's not about, oh, I feel bad because I didn't make it. You know, if, if you're getting, I mean, I don't mind who comes, obviously, but my job is to do this. Someone else's job may be someone else. The, the, the apostles, the pastors, the teachers, the prophets and evangelists, they perfect the saints. We all sit up under headship. We're all governed by, by the Spirit of God to learn as much as we can and then go out there and do it. So I'm not saying just because someone sits here that they're not doing. Because if I could have it my way, everybody would be participating. Everybody should sit in this chair at some point. Everybody has an experience in their lives that can relate to the gospel about how to change, how to do things right in Christ. So when some people will say, well, I don't know what I should talk about, man, you know what you've been through. Let that be your testimony. Find scriptures that go according to what it is that you've been through. It's that simple. But see, if you're not led by the Spirit, you know what you think in the flesh? Oh, well, i got to speak this way. No, I have to have all of this down before I even begin to do what the Lord tells me to do. Oh, well, I can't teach the way that she's teaching or he's teaching, so I'll just forget about it altogether. Oh, it's not my gift. You think it's my gift? You know, I'm a, I'm a clay jar here sitting in a red jumpsuit, okay, with glasses on with his head shaven, all right, knowing nothing. But the Spirit of the Lord is leading what needs to be. That's, right. That's where you place your faith, in the Spirit. All right, so anyways, uh, verse 15 for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself bears witness of our, of our spirit that we are the children of God. Okay, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So, you know, if we're walking like Christ, then we're going to have the same rewards. You know, we're going to get the rewards of Christ. So we can't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We have to follow the, uh, the, the law of the Spirit, the Spirit of God. Romans 12, and we're done. We're going to read two verses. This is where it all begins. This is how we need to walk. This is what we need to do. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, that's reasonable service. And you got the so-called church that can't even do this. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is just reasonable. We're not even getting into the other stuff. All right, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. I should have read this last Tuesday. You know, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 
Okay, so those are the things that we need to worry about. How we think is important. But you, you believe in the Lord, the more faith you have, the more you'll do for the Lord. You will not do anything that you don't believe. Mm-hmm. If you believe that there's a hell to put you in, believe me, you'll try and do everything you can to not go. All right? That's what's important. It's like doing his will. So it begins with the transformation of not the world mind, but the mind of Christ. That's what's so important here. This is what we're missing. The more time we spend with Christ, the more we change. This is why the devil fights so hard to keep you from coming to Christ. This is why the devil tells you that there are things more important than than God. Because once he gets you off that track, now he can do what he wants with you. He's fighting the spirit that's in you, that's capped off by flesh. Mm -hmm. We get past the flesh, we get into the spirit, we do the will of the Lord, and we become the manifested sons of God. This is where the gifts begin to manifest. This is when you walk down the street and demons cry out for fear because they don't want to be in the presence. They see a man on fire or a woman coming down the street. That's what you want to be, inflamed of the fire of God. But it begins in the transformation of your mind, being led by the Spirit. Romans 9, I think we somewhat tackled that, even though we didn't have to go into it. But um, this whole thing is about not being of the flesh. A foolish man thinketh worldly and earthly things. He cares about the affairs of this life, not in the spirit of what God calls us to do. So hopefully I made some things clear. I mean to keep you guys long, but don't let anyone ever push you back up under the law. Don't let anyone tell you in order to be in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not speaking of sin. I'm speaking of other rituals and things that they'll tell you you need to do to have God. Oh, you need God? You need to go to church. No, we are the church of God. Christ is formed in us. We are the living stones that build the temple of God. The ecclesia, the called out ones. This is what it's all about. That's the real church of God. Governed, empowered, and led by the Spirit. Anyone have anything to add? If not, we can close up. I've talked enough to everybody today. Huh? Uh, right. I just have a question. Yeah. Um, so, because I've had some friends in my life who do believe in God, and like I feel like they, I mean, they know a lot, they'll go to church, they'll do a lot of the right things, but then I can see them, and I, I truly believe they do believe in God, and they are believers and have faith, but they don't, I mean, they just can't let go of certain sins, well, and they don't feel bad about it, and mm-hmm. they get really defensive, like, Well, that's not them at all, that's demonic. And I mean, you know, that's part of it. But again, like we said, you won't do anything that you believe. You will do anything that you believe. If you don't believe it, you won't do it. What people have gotten a hold of, because I do a lot of I do believe a lot of people are well-intentioned people. But what people don't, um, they get the false Christianity. Mm -hmm. You know, read um, Second Corinthians chapter eleven, one through four. And it'll tell you about the other Jesus, the other gospel, and the other spirit. There are a lot of people that will profess the name of Jesus, but like Jesus says, you know, many will profess my name, but their hearts are far from me. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you where that is exactly. But, you know, their hearts are far from the Lord. So what we want to do is to follow Jesus Christ. You know, um, I think what they need to do is, honestly, get exposed to the real gospel. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people were told things in the Bible, but how many churches out there speaking on sin? Almost none. 
They tell you about how to feel good in Christ, and that's where most of them leave it. But very few of them get into, hey, man, you can go to hell. I mean, this is this is bad. This is not, because a lot of Christians are told, once saved, always saved. We're going to do a teaching on that, too. So you think a lot of it is lack of understanding, and like just Satan is kind of using that to control them? Lack of the like, real gospel, lack of, the, you know, in the wrong spirit, in the mm-hmm. wrong Christ. You know, a lot of people think because you mentioned Jesus that you're talking about the one of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And one who speaks about the one of the, of the Bible, you're going to learn and understand the things of the Bible. How could you be offended by the gospel? There are things you might recognize that you're doing wrong that you just need to change. A real believer thinks that way is what I'm saying. All right, A real believer will say, oh, I know I ain't living right, but I hear what you're saying and I want to do better in Christ. Mm-hmm. But a defensive person feels, I haven't done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. So they're in a total different place concerning a saint. A saint will have sin, but a saint will fall and get back up and strive to do better. If that makes any sense. A sinner has no guilt of his sin because there's no consciousness of God. Does that make any sense? So I'm just saying that a lot of people say, well, we're just sinners saved by grace. Oh, no. A saint knows he's wrong and wants to do better. He may stumble. He may fall. But he is striving. But he knows or she knows that she's not where she's supposed to be. Okay? But a sinner? Man, you bring up what you're doing wrong. And, man, I'm so, I know God. No one can tell me about God. I know God. I've known him all my life. I thought I did, too, until I was exposed to the real gospel. That's what began to make changes in my life because I thought, you know, John 3.16, you know, or what is that one where John says, you know, if you believe in Jesus, you'll have everlasting life. And I thought that was all you needed to do, but I could live the way that I want to live. Then I was exposed to the real gospel. Oh, no. There's things that the Lord wants us to do is come up higher. He wants us to be ready for this marriage supper so we can do the right things of Christ. And that's what it's all about. Striving to be like Christ. Christ being formed in us. How can Christ be formed in you? And, you know, we're constantly ignoring him and, and, and fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Like we just read, you can't fulfill the lust of the spirit if you mind the things of the flesh. Is that going to happen overnight? No. That takes time. But I'll tell you what, the spirit can fill you faster the more, the, the more time you give God. The more you yield to God... I mean, I, I've seen people in this thing come in a sinner, okay, get into Christ, get on fire for Christ, believe in Christ, and then within three months, two months, man, they're out there preaching the gospel on the street, performing the miracles of Christ, where you got some of us that will sit here for three years and like, how come it hasn't happened to me? Because you haven't yielded your vessel to Christ. You didn't believe. You're doing what you do because you think that, you know, Christ will accept me no matter what. But there are people, I'm telling you, within two months of learning the gospel, they're out there on the street casting out devils, doing the real works of Christ. Why? Because they believe God. So, you know, it's, it's just like school. Those who fool around in school, you got five, six more years to go. Those who will go to school part-time, take off, and then oh, I'll come back when I got the money. But those who are dedicated, and I'm not saying, you know, money is, is a... People have money problems, okay? But the thing is, is those that are serious about their education, those that are serious about things, those that really want to learn languages for real, okay, those people learn the language very quickly. Why? They have an interest in it. Mm 
So we have to be more God conscious to pursue the Lord. But I've seen people walk in, man, I'm telling you, only three, four weeks. And man, they're out there, I mean, serious. There's a clean about them because they accepted the Holy Ghost and they didn't yield the Spirit from working. They let the Spirit work. And even you, you know, you find yourself getting out of their way. Like, man, this person is dedicated. This person is for real. So that's all I'm saying. I don't know if I answered your question, but, you know, people need to stop kidding themselves. I do believe that a lot of people believe in Jesus, too. But we need to stop kidding ourselves as far as believing. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's that simple. The best way you can show me love is through obedience. Never mind getting up here, you know, teaching or running your mouth. That means nothing to God. Do you believe me enough to do what I tell you to do? That's what's most important. All right? So that's why he said that many will say, remember Matthew 7? Lord, Lord, have we not cast out devils in your name? Healed the sick, done all this? And what did he say? Away from me. I never knew you. Why? Because they didn't stop with their sin. All right. So anyone has any other questions they can ask? If not, we'll close out. Unless you have any more. All right, she said, he already talked for 10 minutes with that answer. <laughs> Let's get out of here. All right, go ahead, Sarah. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you today, and I want to thank you for another day that you've given to us. Lord, I want to thank you for all the things that you've done for us. Everything that you've given to us, blessed us with, and bestowed upon us, Lord. You have taken care of every need and so much more. You've never left us wanting or without and Lord, you've given us everything that we need to go through this life and to serve you. Lord, I want to thank you for your true and holy word and the abilities that you've given us to understand it through you sharing your secrets with us. Lord, I pray that if we are supposed to be a part of your bride, if we are supposed to be a part of the body of Christ, and eventually, Lord, a part of the remnant, that we give ourselves over to you fully. Lord, I pray that whatever false doctrines have gone out into the world, whatever things that are choking off the Holy Spirit that we are doing, Lord, I pray that we give those things to you so you can work in our lives. Lord, that you can make this ministry grow. But Lord, we have to be sanctified of this old fleshly nature. If we continue to live in our carnal, soulish, sensual nature, Lord, then we'll never live in the Spirit because the flesh hates the Spirit. And Lord, we have to understand what the enemy wants to do. He wants to distract us. He wants to keep us from doing your will. He wants us void of your Holy Spirit, Lord. But we have to understand that if we're going to do the things that you've called us to do, Lord, if we are eventually going to heal the sick, raise the dead, speak in new tongues, all the things that you want us to do, then this old flesh has to be killed off of us. Lord, we have to pray and fast our way through. We have to understand that the times that we are living in, Lord, we are living in the last days, the beginning of the last days. And we don't know how much time that we have left. And Lord, I pray that with the time that left that you have given us, that we will do your will, that we will take this walk with you more seriously, that we will be unplugged from this world system, Lord, that we will be sanctified, purified, Lord, that we will understand and know all the things that you've called us to do within the body of Christ, that we will go out and preach and teach your gospel boldly, that you will light a fire under us, that we will hunger and thirst after your word, that we will not have any fear in this life of loss of family or friends, trials and tribulations, Lord, to know that you will take care of us if we do your will. Lord, I pray that you would help us to grow stronger in you, that we will drink, that we will 
gather our strength from you, Lord, that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that we will seek after the early and latter rain. I pray that we will seek after godly wisdom and not worldly wisdom, Lord. If there's any amongst us today that are sick, that are hurting, that have family, Lord, that are sick, that are hurting, Lord, I pray that you will place your hands upon them, that you will heal them today, Lord, that no more after this day that they will have whatever demonic spirits that are trying to hold them down. Lord, I pray that you will build us up, that we will take on the full armor of God because that is our defense against the enemy, Lord, that we will, that you will place your shield of protection around us, Lord, but that we will stay under your protection, that we will pray and fast, that we will seek after your word, Lord, that we will sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Lord, that in all manner of thought and conversation, let it glorify the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Lord, I pray that this laxy-daisy contemporary Christian walk that has been falsely taught throughout the world, Lord, that it will not have anything in us, that we will not be bound by our feelings and emotions, Lord, so that way when the enemy comes and he tempts us and he attacks us, Lord, that he will not have anything in us that he can use against us, Lord, that can be used against your body. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Guide and direct and lead us into your truths and into all truths. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.